Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com mailbag podcast brought to you by Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out online at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com or on Twitter at bluehto underscore climate. Plenty to get to in this mailbag podcast as Tennessee players are back on campus. Basketball players are here and some of them are still trying to get back and plenty of your questions out there. So we'll get right to it. We'll start with C.D. Vall. Is there any word on how J.J. Peterson and Darnell Wright have looked since coming back? Is Wright's ankle healthy? Um, I don't have any real word on J.J. Peterson. Uh, I will say I think Darnell Wright, like several guys, probably returned a little heavy and not as lean as as people would like. But I, I think that it's not any concern, Austin, that, you know, he can't get it you know, get the weight knocked down to where they want him to be. And I do think the ankle's probably healthy. I think in hindsight, shutting him down for three months, and, and obviously he's worked out some, but, you know, probably shutting him down did not hurt it hurt them at all with the ankle and, and finally trying to get that thing healed. No, I agree. And you're right. I was told, you know, showed up tad overweight, but has since kicked it into gear and, you know, lost that back. So he's – uh. He, he's 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 not in bad shape. Yeah, I, think I was. I, I just I just think for like the kind of the team as a whole, you know, we're going to be asked these questions, uh, whether whether it's just this mailbag or, or kind of even for the next few weeks. Uh, I think we're not going to really know where a lot of these guys are until they come back to campus post July fourth, right before they kind of get going for that July, you know, where it's the true weight training conditioning film review. We've heard we've heard some good stuff about Jimmy Holiday. Um, you know, Callaway is another newcomer that, that, that seemed to generate some buzz in terms of some of the older guys, you know, Kayvon Bennett. Um, but I think overall, this is, this is kind of just my opinion, but, you know, the, these early returns, I think we're not going to know nearly as much. Even then, we don't know a ton in the summer. But that, you know, once these guys reconvene post-July 4th and they're really back here, you know, for good, I think that's when we're going to start to kind of really hear, oh, this guy's popping oh, this guy's falling behind, you know. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But And I think, Rob, you know, this is something that we've seen over the years is that there's always a guy or two who seems to generate a lot of buzz and, and maybe, you know, nothing ever comes of it. I mean, summer buzz versus what it looks like in fall camp are two different things. But I think the biggest news is nobody came back at 360 pounds or, or 355 pounds or something crazy like that. When, quite frankly, we've seen that. I mean, we've seen guys roll in here in the summertime um, way overweight, way out, of, you know, way out of shape. And I think given what guys have been through the last three months, the fact that nobody is in that situation is a, is a positive sign for, for Tennessee. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all, but it's a, it's a lot better than the alternative of a bunch of guys way out of shape when they got back. I don't think anybody concedes or suggests that they're in shape but it's not as bad as I, I think some people were probably fearful that it was going to be. Yeah, and, I mean, you mentioned the point three months. I mean, it's an unprecedented situation. And um, to, to not be hearing stories about guys showing up at 360, 370 pounds is, you know, I think a positive. And I bet there are plenty of stories out there like that in college football with, you know, some offensive lineman showing up looking like he, you know, was, was in his second trimester. <laughs> At colleges here and there, but um, and and that's a good thing. But like, just unprecedented. Three months off. I mean, forget about you know not being here for many term in May or something. I mean, these kids haven't been on campus since March. Yeah, and and now, however, they can get back to get back here and 
as, as you love to say, work harder than they ever have in the offseason. Or as Coach Former would say, work like heck. All right, let's go to Go Vols 21. I think Rob, you already answered this question for him. Who was the first commitment you got to scoop on as in first to know and break the story? How did it come about? Uh, I guess, Rob, you answered this. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, back when I started doing this in radio, you didn't know. Uh, what was that Hank Laricella? Was that, was that your was that your first one? <laughs> no, Baby it, feathers, Rob. Baby with, feathers. With the white hair I had, yes, it pro- that I have, it probably was. You know, but back then, the whole thing was beat the newspaper because you didn't know what a guy had in another market. I mean, you know what I mean? So that was not the case. So I don't know when, the, you know, the first one. I know a couple of them that stand out. I've told this story. Getting Fred White's commitment while he was making a pizza. Griffin, Griffin Georgia. Georgia was uh, is a story I won't forget. Greg Jones from over in Arkansas. He was working at Sonic when I got his commitment. And uh, Mark Bradley was befuddled when I called and got David Leverton's commitment while Mark Bradley was still sitting in the house for the in-home visit at, at the current time. So um, those are probably three that, that sort of jump out. The first guy that I got to do um, to give it to me early and then just would hold it and have the story ready was Chris Donald. And uh, I convinced Chris Donald and his dad to, because he was announcing at the Army All-American game in like the second quarter. And so you knew you weren't going to have any quotes. So I convinced him a couple of days before to give quotes and have a story there. So that's the first time that ever had a story written, AP, um, as, as the folks on the GQ like to say. So that, that one's my – those are my three or four. Let's not make mistakes, Hubs. Your gray hair is not recruiting-driven. It is driven by PTSD ball, Cajun and three – and those was, people on the general's quarters. Was your first, um, was your first major scoop the Eric Berry story? Awesome. It was. That's how yeah. I ended up at VolQuest. So and you absolutely people is. get to uh, deal with me because uh, James Berry took care of me. Um, I was writing uh, recruiting articles for the Daily Times and John Bryce, and uh, I actually was doing a little video thing for Goval's Extra at the time called The Price is Right. And uh, went down, did a story on – uh, the video thing for the locker room on Eric Berry. And uh, it was his end of being his last high school game. He played at Marist, which is where Garrison Hurst played high school ball. They lost. He got hurt in that game or injured his hip. And I ended up riding. I went rode to the game on the team bus with the team and then rode back to the to, uh, to Creekside with James Berry, the twins, and Miss Carol Berry. And because James, I met James at the game before the game, and he was flabbergasted that someone from Knoxville, Tennessee, came down to do something on Eric Berry. And so his son. So ended up riding back to the school, did my stuff that night after the game. When I left, James said, hey, when he does something, I'll let you know. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> December 10th rolled around, and I think it was 2006. And uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. It was a Sunday. It was a Eric Sunday. Berry. Eric Berry told me at three o'clock that he had not made a decision, hadn't done anything, and then you popped the story like at five o'clock. Uh, and I never the, got on Eric the, Berry. on the daily on the dailytimes.com. Yeah, and I never got Eric Berry on the phone that night. Did he crash so, the website, AP? Uh, I, I don't know if it crashed the website, but the new Sentinel got mad, told me I had to decide whether I was going to do um, the little video feature, weekly video feature I did for them or write recruiting articles for the Daily Times. And 
because they weren't going to allow me to do uh, recruiting articles for them because they had uh, Josh Ward helping Dave Hooker. And so I told them to take a flying leap. Hubs called me about two days later, and uh, the rest is history. There you go. There's the, there's there the you first. There you go. Boom. All right. Let's go to Volunteered 87. I know you all like to stick to UT sports, but if you had to pick four or five of the top SEC football performers by season's end, who would it be? I would imagine Najee Harris, uh, uh, Stingley at uh, LSU, Jamar Chase would be in the top group. Any skill position players I'm forgetting. I'm sure there's some big guys that I'm not thinking of. Any SEC lineman, top national position type awards. Jesse, I'll defer to you on that. Throw up three, top three or four guys in the SEC. I mean, I think Stingley is is number one. I mean, I, I think he would be a guy that we get drafted, you know, tomorrow, even after just playing a freshman season. Jamar Chase, everything you read about him, I mean, they say that he's better than all the receivers that came out a year ago and the, the numbers that he put up, but they think that he's better than uh, – you know, um, Ruggs and, and Judy and, and, and those guys. I think another receiver that just kind of pops to the top of my head, I love watching Jalen Waddle, and I think the fact that he may have a chance to kind of be the guy at Alabama since some of those guys – I know Devontae Smith is still there, but some of those guys um, are gone. And then, you know, another – again, we're kind of talking about the same teams here. But I think all of college football missed getting to see Dylan Moses last year. You know, he was one of the top linebackers in the country um, the previous season, was expected to be a top ten pick. He gets hurt. Uh, and, and, and you know, Alabama's defense, I think, really suffered because of that. They're having to play two true freshmen inside. So those are some guys that come off the top of my head. I know a lot of folks are, you know, curious about Newman at Georgia what Trask looks looks like at, at Florida. Can, can a guy like Bo Nix make the leap at, at Auburn? But I think um, in terms of kind of the, some of those guys, those are the first couple of guys that come to my mind. Yeah, I, th- I thought Jamar Chase. I don't know if you, if, you, if you said him, I missed it. And Devontae Smith out there. And as for Newman, I also, I, I guess maybe last week or the week before, Athlon came out with their all-SEC in preseason, and Newman was their first-team quarterback. How, I mean, anybody else – Kind of shocked by that? Not with the Heisman odds. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I it doesn't. I'm not saying he's going to be that. It it would it would. But he's got his Heisman odds are out of whack too. I mean, I think it speaks more. And and Hubs could probably say this too. I think it speaks more to just the uncertainty of quarterback in the league this year. After we've kind of gone oh. through uh, the the Tuas and the Froms and these guys who have, and obviously Burrow who had the the greatest statistical season in college football history. The fact that a lot of folks consider Trask to be perhaps the most, you know, uh, well-known or, or number one quarterback returning in the conference, I think, speaks to, to the position being pretty much down this, this cycle. Well, I think when you look at this league, you've got transfers. You know, people are calling not just New, not just you know Jamie Newman, but they got a lot of guys. Costello. You know, who are they're, they're saying are some of the best in the SEC who are transferred in. They transferred in. Yeah. In, not in Newman's case, but in some other cases they transferred in because they couldn't win the job at the place they were at. So I, I'm with you, Jesse. I think it speaks to the fact that it's not a great year, not perceived to be a great year for quarterbacks. Uh, in the SEC. All right, to Jake Dog 13 we go. Five questions here. You ready? Rapid fire. If signing day were today, where is Trevally Price going? How much ground is Tennessee made up with Nylon Green? Page still 60-40 Vols. TID still 50-50. And how much is Tennessee in it with uh, Taiwan Malone? Let's start with Trevally Price, uh, Austin. You had a chance to visit with him? Yeah, I mean, uh, you did too, Brent. And I think the kid's heart 
is at Tennessee. I, I, I as of right now, I think if if Travaldi Price was picking, it's the Vols. Now you've got to factor the brother in, because I do think. Well, I know he downplayed that in the interview with me. I think, and I think you believe that that is more of a factor than than uh, he let on. I think it's all about getting making the family feel comfortable about you know the brother as a preferred walk on fullback you know, who could earn a scholarship down the line. If, if they buy into that, then I think it's Tennessee hands down. Um, NC State, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, I, I know the people over in Raleigh feel confident, but, you know, NC State's kind of a dumpster fire when you look at them on the recruiting trail right now. Um, you know, they took a quarterback that's got a heart condition. They don't have much juice out there, um, you know, um, with uh, just near anybody, so it, to me, it's 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 a struggle for NC State. So they're kind of grasping at straws, trying to to trying to pull something, which is why I think they offered a full ride scholarship to Jaden Tate, and uh, it's not a preferred walk on deal. And so you know, um, now does that change? We'll see. Um, but I, right now, if I was picking, I think that that Travali wants to go to Tennessee, but I think again, it's just too close to call. Next question was. Uh, Nylon Green, Nylon Green, Nylon Green. Tennessee's made up a bunch of a uh, bunch of uh, um, that was Clemson. There. That was Clemson a month ago. I think everybody it was Clemson. Believed. It was Clemson two weeks ago, and then all of a sudden they kind of took a turn for the worse. And and that's not to say they can't get back in it because I do think they're still in it. But Tennessee is very much uh, in play there compared to where they were two weeks ago. Uh, Auburn, Georgia, the other two teams. Um, as far as uh, Peyton Page. Um, the, the interview with me and some of the guys on the board talked about this yesterday. It, it, the the comments about going home after practices, going home after games. This isn't high school, and and I, and I think that Peyton and people around Peyton will have to understand that. I mean, there's not going to be going home after games, going home after practices, even at North Carolina. It didn't matter if the game was at Dudley. He's not <laughs> going to be. I mean, like you, it's just it, it's it's not that way in college. So I think there's a, a learning curve on that deal. So I think North Carolina has reemerged because Dilworth, Drake May, Ritzy, Silver, they're all leaning on him to kind of stay in state and keep this mojo going. Um, but I still think it's Tennessee and Clemson are the top two. Yeah, I'm not discounting that, the Tar Heels, but yeah. I'm just saying it's Tennessee Clemson to me is still the top two. I'll say this about Peyton Page. He wasn't really interested in doing the interview. And so <laughs> I think that was part of the reason why that thing comes across a little bit all over the map because I, I look, he was, he was I, nice. I think he was good to do the interview. I just don't think he was good to give any kind of information. Right. That's what, like, that's I, mean, what I mean. He wasn't mean about doing the interview. He just wasn't, I mean, he's over the process and he wasn't interested in having all of his words picked apart in an interview by everybody out there. Correct. So he was very, very guarded. Uh, not that he was mean about the interview. He'd do, he'd do whatever you wanted him to do. He just wasn't going to tell you anything in the interview. All right, let's, let's go to TID. 50, 50. I, I, do, I think that's Tennessee, South Carolina. There's I agree. Georgia, there's LSU, there's Alabama. All those schools are still in play. But there's two set officials for Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. That's Tennessee. That's South Carolina. It was his first two SEC offers. I think he feels most comfortable with those staffs. Obviously, the longer this plays out, the more time people on the outside have a chance to get involved. But I still think the comfort level that he has in Columbia and Knoxville right now outweighs everything else. And Gaffney is hard to beat when South Carolina really wants uh, – it's hard to beat South Carolina and Gaffney when the Gamecocks really want somebody. So that will be a dogfight to the finish line there. 
Tennessee in it with Malone, Jesse Austin? They're in it, but again, he's not doing anything until uh, the All-Star game in January. So you have time, and, and I think that's a good thing. It, right, Tennessee's sitting with a full class, Jesse. In my mind, you don't want anybody wanting to get in the boat right now because then you're all of a sudden you're having to you're having to legit make cuts right now unless you're going to be over the 25 number, which, again, I think is a bad look. I mean, you can well, do he, it, but, I mean, it just well, seems like to me, all, if you're Tennessee, you want people to wait. Well, he also is a guy that's – in terms of all these other guys that Tennessee has in this class, he would be coming from the north, you know, coming all the way from Bergen Catholic. Uh, he's someone that I think the staff would also say, hey, come back down – come back to campus. You know, I mean, it was so many of these guys deciding to kind of stay closer to home. Uh, it, 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 to AP's point, I think it behooves Tennessee that he's in no rush. And so it gives him some time to make his way south and say, hey, is this really a place that, you know, I could see myself playing for three or four years? All right. Who I am. Terion Arnold just got an offer from Kim English. Arnold and Wilcoxon are close. Could Arnold be on the menu July 4th, citing Wilcoxon's tweet? Uh, small, small Munden. If that goes beyond June, how do you like our chances? I want to go to Arnold first. Rob, your thoughts on Tennessee offering that kid a basketball scholarship? I was a little surprised by that. I mean, I, I mean, I knew he was a good basketball player. I mean, somebody was considered, you know, a, a solid SEC prospect, but not on the level that he is as, as a football player. So, um, you know, I, I don't think he's a – I mean, I mean, Tennessee doesn't on the basketball side. They don't throw around offers. I mean, if they if they're gonna if they're gonna offer a kid, they're ready to take a kid. And so, you know, talking with some people around the program, that, that's certainly the case. But at the same time, people around the program think that, you know, he's, you know, probably gonna play football. And you know, if he comes to Tennessee, they will absolutely you know tell him the same thing that, you know that he can, he'll have the opportunity to play both. But I, th I think we're all skeptical that you know, anybody can do that at a high level here. But um, I was a little taken aback because, again, I was aware that he was viewed as a, a solid basketball prospect, but not, you know, not a five-star basketball prospect as he is on, on, on the football side of things. Austin, I don't feel like he's the July 4th decision guy. I don't, I don't think he's that quick <clears throat> to make a decision. Do you? No. Okay. Small Munden. If that goes beyond June, does Tennessee's chances improve there? Yeah, I mean, I I think Tennessee's chances are the same that they have been. I don't think there's a date that says, you know. That it's going to be Well, it, there's no expiration date. He's not a piece of meat. <laughs> I mean, like, this, 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 he's not, Tennessee not, doesn't go bad if, they don't, if he doesn't pull the trigger before July 1st. Right. Or they don't, you know, I mean, it's one of those deals. The longer it goes with him, is it the better for somebody outside of Georgia? I don't think I don't think that there is no better there is a better or worse the longer it goes with him. Some kids, yes, him, no. All right, Pine Mountain Vol. You know Pruitt's going to do it just for fun. Give me your offensive and defensive position switches, not just for incoming freshmen. That's easy, Jesse. Who do you see bouncing around? I mean, I so I saw this question. I actually think this is a tougher one to answer than the last couple of years because the, where the roster is now. You know, these are the guys that Jeremy's recruited. And I think aside from the freshmen, most of them I think are fairly solid in where they're going to play. The number one guy is probably Aaron Beasley. You know, if if Tim Jordan's not back, CFA don't know, you know, do they just, and they do decide to move some of these freshmen from running back to a different position. Do they feel like Beasley's too much of a tweener, can't play safety or linebacker? 
you know, do they put him back on offense? He's kind of the number one guy that I thought stuck out for me. Otherwise, I'm not really sure. I mean, they, they, they seem pretty set on sticking with Gibbs at receiver. You know, I don't think some of these other guys are going to flip over one way or another. Um, could they add another body at tight end, you know, potentially? But uh, I, think, I think Beasley's kind of my, my number one choice there. What say you guys? Jimmy well, Holiday. I think Jimmy Holiday is going to – when we roll up there for no practice, freshmen. he's going to be a wide receiver. Oh, he said, yeah, no freshman. Freshman. He said not um, just incoming freshman. freshman, you know. And he also said – well, not, not just offense to defense. I guess he's saying any position. I, I think we'd all agree ultimately Jimmy Holiday is going to be a wide receiver at Tennessee sooner rather than later. Yeah. Because that's, that's where sooner. his impact is going to be. Yeah, really soon. Uh, it seems like Randall <laughs> as in already at wide receiver. Well, but, but also, you know, we'll have a package probably, you know, and, and show up back there, much like yeah. Tom did at Kentucky. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that's the obvious, that, you know, that's the most obvious one of the incoming freshmen. Now, what happens with, you know, with those, as Jesse mentioned, T. Hodge, Whitehead, those guys, are they all going to stay running back? They're going to move around. I'm curious to see, does Jordan Allen have a chance at, at tight end? I mean, they are desperate to find somebody to help them at tight end. So if there's anybody who's floundering on defense or at another position or that's put on some weight that they can get anything out of at tight end, I think that's the position they move somebody to because they need bodies there that they don't have right now uh, or that they don't feel particularly comfortable with. All right, let's go to Uberval 5. Obviously, Trey's well-being – uh, beyond football is most important, but will the COVID-19 virus impact his ability or willingness to play given his pre-existing medical problems? I'm saying no to that one. I, I don't think that Trey's having second thoughts about playing football uh, or, or anything like that with, um, with everything that's out there. I think he's been preparing to, to, to play and, and is working out with his team and is moving forward. I, I don't see that affecting any decisions he's making uh, about football or anything this fall. Um, anybody disagree with that? No. no. All right. Let's go to hard hat ball. Elijah Simmons going to play more than goal line this year. And if so, what kind of role snaps do you see him getting this fall? I think I, Elijah I, Simmons missed out big time on not having spring practice. Go ahead, Jesse. I was going to echo a, a similar sentiment. I, I think that uh, he's a guy that, you know, maintaining his weight is going to be um, and not even just that, maintaining his strength. You know, a lot of times some of these guys maybe aren't necessarily overweight, but how much have they lost just in terms of uh, pure strength and muscle mass because they haven't had a, a consistent weight program or consistent nutrition for three months. So he's a guy that I think you will maybe set, steadily see him increase his role as the season goes along. But he's going to have to really have a strong fall camp uh, to kind of earn a, a real rotational role, I think, on day one. All right, let's go to Zval. He wants to know, Austin, why does the staff covet Travali Price so much? What do they like about TID? Um, the athleticism um, and and power. Um, Travali gets off blocks extremely well. Um, moves much better than you think he does. Um, but just the way they use him uh, along the defensive line over there in uh, in Lincoln. Uh, Lincolnton, uh, North Lincoln, and then TID. I mean, you should be able to turn on the film. I mean, kid, kid's an athletic freak. He, he, he's so quick off the ball. His first steps is super impressive. And uh, um, staff, you know, really feels like, you know, he could be a guy that can slide inside and play tackle or play off the edge at the end spot 
uh, with kind of his uh, size and makeup. The story about him dunk, being able to dunk a basketball in Crocs is pretty impressive, if, if that's indeed the case. I, I, would, I would like to see that because that's, that's pretty – Well, that video is on Twitter. It, 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 everybody's pretty, like, well, that's a nine-foot goal. Or, or, you know, <laughs> were you there? Did you measure? I mean, I, I'm just taking it for what it is. You know? I mean, the, I mean the, 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 guy can ex- the guy's got some explosion. There's also the video of him doing the jump out of the pool thing and, and all that stuff where he lands on his feet. Uh, I mean, he, he is – he is a gifted, gifted athlete with a ton of raw ability that I don't think fully gets what his true potential is at this point in time. I think all this has been a little overwhelming for him. Not that he doesn't work hard, but I don't think he truly gets exactly how good he can be. All right, good guy, uh, GBO. When will attendance and such be announced for home games in Oklahoma? I, I still think you're going to have to have something kind of in mind mid-July. 20th of July, somewhere there, I think you're going to have to have a plan in place for everybody to know what's going on to, to figure out what you can do. People got to make travel plans, all those types of things. I, I mean, I, I think a month from now, you got to be close to having something, you know, pretty tentative in place, understanding it could change. But I think you got to go ahead with some kind of plan, don't you guys think? Or do you think it can go into August? I think it can go into August. Do you really? Well, I mean, Internally, I think they have to have some kind of a plan, but I don't think they have to announce anything publicly. And, I mean, I, I think in July, I mean, I'm sure they're talking, you know, every day, you know, at the well, city you know, level. Much like South Carolina was that first team to go, okay, hey, we're going to come back. We're not going to have fall break. We're going to end on-campus classes at Thanksgiving. And then you saw some other schools follow suit. Who's going to be that first school to release – kind of what they want, or is it going to be just a universal decision or is it going to be by conference? How, how's it, how's it going to handle? Cause it could be just, you know, each conference or each school. I mean, I would venture to say by conferences, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I would think so. You know, I think what's going to, to me, Jesse, the question is when somebody and to, to follow up on what Austin's saying, when's somebody going to release something that's not got five options in the plan? Like we're, we're seeing, yeah. We're seeing everybody right now release public school plans. There was one in California last week. It had five different possible options on going back to school in the fall. You know, when does somebody release a plan that says, you know, as of today, here's what our plan is versus I think Georgia had a deal released. It was like 40 some odd pages and it had like 12 different plans in it. When does somebody say this is what we're going to do? I'm with Rob. I think it's going to be closer to August. And I think a lot of that is, is because, uh, there's still so much we don't know. And, and are we still in the end of phase one or still in the middle of phase one? You see these cases spiking up, you know, in, in Florida, Texas, and Arizona and some other spots. And so, you know, I, I think the fact that we still aren't exactly sure and can grapple with where we are with everything, they're going to keep kicking this can down the you know road as long as they can. All right, let's go to uh, uh, eight always 24. If Kamar does end up flipping – how much do you think it would affect uh, the recruits for Tennessee that he helped recruit to Tennessee? Austin, do you think there's a real flip there with him right now, or is this just going to kind of be – there's going to be something kind of brewing around him for a while, and that's just kind of the nature of, of what he is? Every year there's a kid or two that the, ki- the coaches have to massage daily, weekly. You know, there's always the roller coaster. He, I think he's this year's kid. And, like, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. I mean, he went from, you know, talking about 
you know, calling out virtual national championships and stuff to and, and retweeting every Florida thing that would come across his timeline to telling Tennessee fans, stay tuned. Could be big news on July 4th. You know, I mean, like, went, that's just – that's a roller coaster. He know? went from being in a Twitter spat with a Florida coach, you know, assistant coach pretty much, to, to now, you know, back flirting with the Gators. That's, yes, I mean, I that's I just the roller coaster that's going to be Tamar Wilcoxon. All right, let's get to T Boogie nineteen eighty eight. I know that players are just getting back to campus, but have y'all heard any rumblings about any specific player or players hitting the portal? Seems like there would almost have to be some attrition due to numbers being so tight. Also, are there any of the incoming freshmen that y'all feel may have severely been underrated coming out of high school? If you if so, do y'all think said player will surprise fans and be a major factor for playing time early this season? I've kind of outlined the guys that I look at as potential guys to not be here. I mean, again, anybody that was put on scholarship last year, and there, there was a you know handful of walk-ons that were granted scholarships because Tennessee was under at the time. Um, those guys, those are one-year deals. I don't expect those guys to be back on again. Now, some of them will be. Um, you know, uh, you know, a guy like Kenny Solomon. I, I don't think he. I don't think he comes off scholarship, but a few of those guys will. You know, where's Carlin Fields and me at? Um, or as coach would say, Carlin Fields Ames. Um, where's he at? You know, Brandon Davis is another one that they took a flyer on that's done nothing, who's very small and, and I think still loves the game of baseball a good bit. Uh, Tim Jordan, as we put in the war room last week, is not going to be back. There, there, there's going to be, you know, I don't think – I wouldn't worry about the numbers. They'll get to 85, no problem. Well, here's the other thing, too, as, as time's getting away from us. Don't ever discount the possibility of somebody in a medical situation as well. you got a guy like Balaam Buchanan yes. trying to get back. Who knows what happens there? If he can't get back, you medical him out, you get that scholarship spot, even though he stays on scholarship. So th- there's a lot of different things that we don't really know kind of where some of all of that stuff is medically because guys have been away for three months, and they'll have to go back through and see specialists and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, all right, let's hit some rapid fire right quick. So I, was just to add, oh, ahead, I was just gonna, I was just going to answer the second part of that guy's question. Oh, okay. This guy got this guy got a bump, uh, you know, at the very end of the of the rankings update. But I do think Callaway is, is going to be a guy who was underrated um, initially because he was kind of the do it all guy for his team. Uh, but you know, he ended up getting that four star bump right at the, the very final rankings. So it, he's not, you know, I don't know how underrated he maybe was by the end here, but I think he's a guy that the coaching staff got in on. They beat out Kentucky and some others who made the late Kentucky and Florida making the late push for him. Uh, and, and I think he has an, an early opportunity to kind of compete with Velas Jones and, and maybe Holiday and some other guys to say, hey, that, that slot position's open, go get it. Well, and I think another guy athletically that may play on teams may not be a big factor, but may make some noise on teams is a guy like uh, the Slaughter kid because of his athletic ability. Not the not the most highly rated guy when Tennessee took him a year ago. All right, yes or no questions. Los Angeles Fall wants to know: um, Jeremy Banks back in August? Yes. Yeah. All right. Does Tennessee have this? Is uh, the, another question? Does Tennessee have a thousand yard back this year? Uh, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say Eric Gray gets to 1,000. Rob, you're with no? Too much, too much sharing. All right. Let's go to F, uh, FL Dobbs VFL. Who starts at safety next to Tank? Um, and what do you think that safety board looks like? 
for on the on the current roster, not the recruiting board, but what do you think the board looks like at safety, Jesse? I still give the lean to Flowers, but I think there's going to be lots of guys. I think Theo Jackson can't be discounted just because of uh, his experience, and even if he's not kind of a fan favorite of the coaching staff, they continue to throw him out there, and he plays a lot. So uh, I think that kind of speaks to some other guys, and then maybe you know does Keyshawn Lawrence kind of emerge, you know? midway through the season. Uh, but I, I still give the lean to, to Flowers right now. Any chance Schamberger goes to safety and a guy like Bryce Thompson slides into star? Is that possible, Jesse? Yeah. I mean, I'm, we've noted that a couple times throughout these, you know, off-season pods, I, especially if they continue to like what they see out of Kenneth George. Um, you know, they've played Bryce several times at kind of that dime money spot uh, in the dime defense. So why not give him a look at, at the true star and, and, and just move Schamberger back. Uh, you know, they, they at least have some options. It's not like there's a, you know, dearth of different variables they can kind of play with. All right. Last question, Rob, this is to you with Tim Jordan gone or likely gone and banks possibly returning, but to the defensive side of the ball, who do you think will tote the rock first on fourth and goal this season? Does it remain Crouch or do you think they go with one of those freshmen like Hodge or Whitehead? I mean, I'm right now I would, I would say Crouch right, right now. Depend, you know, but certainly that, that could change if, if Hodge or Whitehead comes in and, and looks great in August. But if it, if they started today, I, I would say Kavars. I would go Crouch and then Hodge. Uh, final question from the entire General's Quarters. Jesse, are you in Tallahassee? <laughs> I am not. No, 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 I am not. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast. Hey, don't forget, if you're in East Tennessee, you need – a reliable heating and air system designed for your home and our climate. You need a team that's trained and held to the highest of standards. You need solutions, not sales pitches. There are many heating and air companies in East Tennessee. There's only one that's name that you need to remember. That's Blue Water Climate Control. When you need a new system or a major repair, Blue Water isn't going to send out a salesperson. They're going to send out an expert to visit your home. They're going to lay out all the options that include repairing the system you have, replacing it with a new system that's affordable, upgrading your energy efficiency, improving your indoor air quality, and options for financing, including same as cash and even rent to own. Call them today at 865-299-2290 or visit bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to make an appointment. Blue Water Climate Control is an authorized dealer for American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. For Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Jesse Simonton, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us on this mailbag edition of the Blue Water Climate Control uh, podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody.